There's a misconception that we don't exist, that somehow our ability to excel at the highest level of our industry is limited, that overcoming barriers as a woman of color would be insurmountable. But what would happen if we decided to venture out on our own despite everything we're up against? I'll tell you. Welcome to the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Angelina Davis, a healthcare consultant, consulting coach, high performance fanatic, wife, and proud girl mom. I help transform female professionals into thriving solo consultants. And just like you, I'm wearing all the hats and doing all the things. So this podcast is to empower the busy female professionals to move past fear to start and grow a successful consulting business, despite the obstacles you may encounter. We'll dive deep into consulting practice, business strategy, mindset, and more. So grab your cup of coffee or tea if that's your thing, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to episode 10 of the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Angelina Davis, and today I have a special guest. We are diving further into this whole idea and concept of social selling, and I invited a friend to come and join the table, and that is Shauna Allen. She is a business coach for therapists. Her content on Instagram is absolutely amazing. Not only is it creative, which definitely would keep you coming back for more and more, but it is highly informative. And yes, it is professional because she helps therapists beat career burnout by building authentic and creative diversified income streams. So this conversation is for you if you are interested in how you can show up more effectively on social media, no matter the platform. And we We are going to dive all in today. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really do appreciate it. I think that definitely everyone who tunes into the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast is going to love this conversation, mainly because I know everything that you have to offer and I know the amazing content that you put out. And with that being said, I want to jump in and get started and just have you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your business and your mission and who the Delightful Clinician is all about. Great. Well, hey there. My name is Shauna A and I am the Delightful Clinician. So how the Delightful Clinician came about, really, it's really interesting. I have a business, it's Delightful Consulting and Therapeutics. And underneath the Delightful Consulting and Therapeutics, there's all of these little delightful brands. So I own a travel business, travel business is called Delightful Soul Travel. Uh, And my private practice as a mental health clinician is called Delightful Counseling Services. It really started, (laughs) I had a blog years ago, Back in like 2014, I started this blog because I was a young clinician and I was really just super overwhelmed. The like just breaking out into trying to be a clinician. I was doing all of these supervision hours. I wasn't being paid correctly, not paid correctly, but I wasn't being paid appropriately. And I was like, this was a precipice of young adulthood. So I wasn't even 30 yet. And I was just struggling trying to kind of break out and be an adult, manage a relationship, and all of the things that came with that. 
So I started a blog and the blog was called Delightful Struggles. And it was really supposed to be like a play on like the fact that I felt like I was struggling, but mm-hmm. I was trying to make the best out of it. And then from there, I, as I was counseling, I really was like, there's so much restriction here that I wanted to go into coaching. And at the time, this was like before self-care was such a buzzword and like such a thing that people were doing the way that they're doing it now. I really was just like, hey, like, let's talk about self-care. And (laughs) that was like the beginning of figuring out what it is that I was really like trying to do on the internet, really trying to like create a brand, understand what a brand is, even understand what niche is. And along the way, I've gotten so many stories that now I've repurposed that. And even though Delightful Struggles is no longer, the Delightful Clinician is really just teaching other clinicians and other therapists, other mental health professionals, how to package their thoughts, their therapeutic skills in a way that kind of reaches people on the internet. And I, I talk a lot about social media because that is that is a big thing of our world at this point in time. I mean, definitely. I feel like whenever you have a problem, you go straight to social media, right? You know, yeah. or internet at large, whether it's YouTube, we're trying to figure out uh, some solution to your problem or Googling what's wrong and how, how you're able to solve it and navigate it yourself. I know I've seen a lot of health related services right. online. So I think that a lot of people kind of go that route. And to be honest with you, I don't really see that many people advertising their services as much as they probably should, to be honest, at least, at least from my perspective. Absolutely. So back in 2014, even though in Instagram was a thing, it wasn't mm-hmm. a thing like this. I think that the introduction of TikTok and even Snapchat, really, and of course, YouTube, these video-based platforms, what we find is that, and, the, and Pinterest as well, mm-hmm. even though Pinterest is not really counted as social media, but what we've found is that people really consume a lot more through video. And so when Instagram really started to introduce the video, they've gone back and they've looked at user statistics and they found is that like 84% of people are getting their information through video and they are also going to social media. So it doesn't just have to be Instagram, any form of social media. They're going to social media, trying to look for the answers of what's going on. So if they feel depressed, they're going to social media to see who's talking about depression. Or more so if they're feeling certain symptoms, they're feeling some kind of way, they're going to social media to find other people that are talking about how they feel. So I really think it is a great place for mental health professionals, health professionals, people to be to just talk about those things that people are searching for. Definitely, especially when you don't want to go through the hassle of trying to get a referral or maybe even dealing with insurance issues in certain cases and things like that. You know, it's much easier to just go find the help that you want because maybe you want a more holistic approach or someone who really matches your values and beliefs. I know I've done that in the past and I want to be able to look for that information and easily find it, you know, and it's sometimes hard to to just search through books and magazines. We don't have those as readily available unless you go into a barn and Noble. Most people don't have magazines that's coming to the house like we used to back in the day. So um, yeah. definitely being able to search online is key. And you know, the funny thing is, I, I guess I've been experiencing what uh, Gen Z and even Alpha Generation that's mm-hmm. coming up now, I've, I've experienced a little bit of what they've experienced. 
And I'm sorry, it's bath time for my little one, and she's been extra. You are absolutely fine. This is a mom friendly zone. So, one mompreneur to another, that is definitely fine. I definitely understand. (laughs) But what we like, I think I've been experiencing a little bit of that as I like, I've built my business and I've gotten really, really more in tune with what's going on on social media and what people are looking for and what they ask for in social media. Like I've really utilized it for key moments in my life. And I really wish that it was where it was at years ago. So for me back in 2014, that's when I discovered that I had some fertility issues, was not ready to make children at that point in time, but learned that it was going to be difficult to make children when I was ready. And so that created like a four-year journey until I actually had gotten married and my husband and I got pregnant. In that, like I really, I was so sad because I just was like, I didn't know anybody who was going through what I was going through. And at that time, there was only blogs, <laughs> you know, there was right. only, and you had to like really search for, like you had to know the keywords of what was going on with your stuff. Today on Instagram, like I can literally just put in hashtag endometriosis and I am going to find <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people who are utilizing that same exact hashtag right who is experiencing the same things that I am experiencing and it creates a community. So Definitely. I think social media has a way of, of making things that much deeper, creating more connections that are just lasting for different things that you have going on in your life. That is so true, especially when it comes to connection. And I think that's a lot of what a number of consultants have difficulty with. It's really creating those connections authentically because there's this whole belief, I think a kind of like misconception that we need to be super professional whenever we're online. That definitely is is very much the case on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is trying to really change things right now. They're really pushing their creator mode um, on the platform and they're getting people or trying to get people to loosen up and to be more creative. Definitely in Instagram and Facebook, people are venturing out a little bit more. But still, if you go to Instagram sites for different consultants, we tend to be, you know, very analytical and very professional in terms of presentation. And it's hard to get people to really, you know, pull in that creativity. And one of the reasons why I wanted to open this discussion is because I feel like Listen, whoever's listening to this, if you go on Instagram right now <laughs> to <laughs> the Delightful Clinicians platform, to your platform on Instagram, it is absolutely amazing when it comes to blending that creativity and that professionalism. Because I think when I look at it, because you cater to other therapists and other you know health professionals, I, I just... I'm just amazed at how well you do that. It's not silly. It's not something that someone would see as just playing around. I mean, your messaging is clear. All of your content just really, really resonates. And I think that that's something that in the consulting world, we need to do a better job of because those are the things that create more connection, allow people to see who you are authentically. Where does your creativity come from? And do you have a definition of professionalism or is that just how (laughs) (laughs) you like to create content? Loaded for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I will start with, I've always been a creative person. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's been in my nature. And I will say that, so I went to school in Atlanta. I went to Argosy University while there was still Argosy University Mm -hmm. um, for my master's degree and learned. And I'm actually really thankful for Argosy because Mm -hmm. I was at a point in my life when I went for my master's, I had just graduated 
um, out of my bachelor's degree. It was, I was dealing with the 2008 financial crisis. So there was no jobs anywhere. I was in early childhood education. So what happened for me was that I was running into a place where I just was not able to be my own boss. And for a creative person, that is just stifling. And I have an older sister, she's a speech language pathologist. And she said to me, the only way you're going to be able to do this is by getting yourself a career where you can call the shots. And I had remembered back to bachelor's, my bachelor's degree. I had a professor who I adored. I loved her. I took all of her classes, never made anything above a B. She was such a good professor. She was so inspiring to me. She was a marriage and family therapist. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to school, but I found a school that didn't offer a GRE. So long story short, I graduated from Argosy and I really felt good about my counseling skills and the reason why I went back to school was so that I had the ability and had the autonomy to do what it is that I wanted to do in this world. Right. Um, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> and it took me a long time. It, it's actually 10 years. This 10 years yesterday is when I started my internship. Wow. Um, congratulations. <laughs> and yeah, when I actually started like practicing. And mm -hmm. some people call practicing totally different. Some people are like, they wait until their associate license, but I was, I was doing some counseling. During my <laughs> so, but I, I just feel as though the counseling profession is a relatively young profession. Mm -hmm. However, it is, it's also very old at the same time. So we, the people that I think about when I go to counsel them are not the people that were traditionally thought about for counseling services. It was not what the service was traditionally built around. And if we think about the people of today, the young people of today, mm -hmm. I still call myself a young person, even though I'm not going to say what generation <laughs> I come from. But I feel like the young people of today just live in a completely different world. Our, our financial systems are different. The way that we communicate is completely different. Our access to things is completely different. Mm -hmm. And with that, professionalism looks completely different. Professionalism, to me, within the practice looks really different. I work a virtual practice. So I see all of my clients online. And I see them online at weird hours because I work a full-time day job. Right. That means, and this was a big no-no to some people, but that means that I eat dinner with my clients. Like we sit mm -hmm. down, we have a counseling session and I'm eating dinner. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, you're not supposed to eat. You're not supposed to do this. And you're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. But I am very much like, I create a service for right. the people that I work with that don't always look like the traditional service. And that's what right. feels good for me. And that's what feels good for my people. And I try to share that with other counselors. Like it's not just about creating this space where it, the, the space that you create is really more about the authenticity, authenticity that you can present to your right. client, um, especially if you're going to do it virtually. So you want your people to know who you are and you don't have to divulge everything about you for them to know who you are. You just have to be relaxed and you. I think that's the one thing I always like to share is the fact that, like you were saying, you create your container, you create the way that you want to practice. And I think we often forget that we feel like we need to stick ourselves in a box and do things the same way that has always been done. When I think you brought out a great point, which is professionalism does look different today than it did yesterday. I even think about 
everything from whether you're thinking about dress or even something simple as like piercings or look, my hair. Exactly. Like professionalism is just so different today. And I think just embracing that is such a, is such a good thing and really erasing that preconceived notion that being in a, a suit <laughs> and heels is kind of how we have to always show up in order to be quote unquote professional. So I definitely, I definitely agree. But I really do think that just overall, when I look at your content in general, I think that so much of it is, is really communicating a clear message. Like, I feel like your messaging is clear. Everything about it is very, very creative, but then also at the same time, something that is going to attract a very high caliber or client. It's just really high context (laughs) content. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, the part of that for me was that I, I, I feel like I've spent enough time around clinicians and I spent mm-hmm. them around in social media. So I've been in clinician groups, I actually run or I help run a group of, it's got 18,000 people in it, mm-hmm. uh, clinicians. So I see the same question wow. come up over and over again. I'm a part of some groups that are like BIPOC specific. So I see those questions relatively the same. And I created content around that. I created content around answering those questions. So I try really hard to know who my people are and what it is that they're asking. And then I continue to refine that. I think so many people get so scared about refining their niche. And this is actually something I keep thinking about is that sometimes the startup feels so long Because it's such a specific thing. Like, it's so specific what I'm talking about. Like, I am talking specifically to counselors and therapists. I'm also talking to counselors and therapists who are trying to be more authentic, counselors Mm -hmm. and therapists who are trying to shed the traditional values, counselors and therapists who don't want to put all of their eggs in one basket. So, like, as I put in all of those little qualifiers, that number gets so much more smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, But... It, it feels good because when it resonates with people, it really, like when it hits, it hits. Right. I feel like the best pieces of content because I'm like, you know what? I got three comments on this, but these mm-hmm. three comments, they're like, yes, this exactly. So I know I'm going in the direction that I need to be going. I mean, that that's the key. It's like when you start to look at mm-hmm. the audience that you're building, you can see that audience being so well aligned. Like that's what you want. I think so many people are looking for followers and follower count. And then when you go in, it's like a lot of bots or people who are doing follow for follow. Yeah, yeah. And it's really not building a community that is going to lead to something that's greater right. oftentimes. And so I think we all have to be very, very careful of that. But I, I definitely know that that whole refining piece is something that I know I'm big on. I always try to push people when it comes to even building their business to think about the refining process instead of mm-hmm. adding on more and more services. Like you said, just figuring out when that message is spot on, because when you get that messaging down, which I think, like you said, we all have to do over and over and over again, when we oh, think yeah. we have the messaging good enough, it's time to to redo it again. But it's just, it's so important, especially when you're talking about the online space, because you have to find everyone, right? They have to be attracted to you and your content some kind of way. Right. And you know, it, the other part that it pays off is like, it's really hard to transfer or at least for me, it has been, it's really hard to transfer followers into Mm -hmm. buyers. Um, And for me, like when the content is right and when it hits, Mm -hmm. they don't become buyers, but they do become people on my email list. 
which mm-hmm. is really what I want. Because then when you're on my email list, then I can send you all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, now we're, now we're cooking. Whereas on Instagram, I am really just trying to kind of keep up with Instagram and keep up with the algorithm. It can be really tiring, but like those, I think those pieces of content, like it feels good when it hits, but they're not my most potent. Um, because you're really trying to just get a message out. It's a quick message. And then it's really, you're really just trying to convert back to the place where you could really give them the goods. But that's that's good to know because it's a a way to pull them in. And I mean, I definitely can say that translates over into LinkedIn and any other platform as well, because you still have to have something that is going to catch someone's attention. And then, like you said, draw them in and then get them over to your website or your email list and and things of that nature. And I think it takes creativity to, to do that. Where do you get ideas from? Like, where does that creativity come from? So my ideas, the way that I've done it, and it, it took me it took me about a year to refine this. But what I what I've read and what I've seen people do is like they talk about cornerstone content and then they mm-hmm. talk about con- content pillars. And so one of my favorite people, Regina, she kind of talks about this. <laughs> it took me a while to really understand what she was saying and what this meant. It like it it, and this is a lesson that I will share over and over and over again. It really took me understanding that, like, one, I had to see something over and over and over again, because she says this all the time, but right. I had to see it in different ways, in different formats in order for it to really, truly sink in. So mm-hmm. one of the things that she has said over and over again is that Instagram is not your home, right? Like, yes. go there, you post what you need to post. It's like going to the library, posting those posters and mm-hmm. hopping out and going back to the place where you're really putting up those books, right? Um, you're really putting up, not books, but like where you're really putting in the meat. Your in-depth content. You're right. Yes. And that is your cornerstone or your long form content. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my ideas and a lot of my creativity comes from just writing that long form content. Something that I'm working on right now is talking about values and mm-hmm. uh, because everybody and pricing. So everybody loves to say like, you got to price your worth, you got to price your value. And I actually am totally against that because Mm -hmm. there is no way that I could put a price on my value and there's no way that I could put a price on my worth, Mm -hmm. but I can price my service and I can give my service a worth with Mm -hmm. the values that I put into it, which is completely different. But the way that mental health therapists are taught and the way that a lot of helping professionals are taught, it's all about putting yourself into it, put your heart and your soul into it. And that is what's supposed to make it valuable. And really what we see lots of coaches doing, what we see people who like really run and dominate the online world is that they put value into that product by making that product almost tangible. Right. They're giving you exactly what you're going to, what they are telling you is what makes the product valuable is what you're getting out of it versus I'm not getting you out of this. I can't take you home. (laughs) Right. Right. But I can get your secrets. And that's a valuable thing. Exactly. And just for anyone listening, I want to clarify that the Sorry. Regina that we're talking about is, <laughs> I think her handle on Instagram is by Regina TV. And yes. she is absolutely amazing. She has been kind of like a mentor and coach for both of us and definitely is the person that you need to check out if you're thinking about thought leadership. So that <laughs> that is definitely a pub for her today. But yeah, back to this whole conversation about value. 
It's similar in consulting too, because, you know, we talk a lot about value-based pricing and that, like you said, is because you're focusing on the value of the service and not necessarily you yourself as a consultant um, for someone to pay the value of having, having you as the individual. And I think that oftentimes, like you said, we forget that we have to make those things somewhat tangible, that everything should have a value that you have to think about what someone is going to get, we always say in the consulting world, as a return on investment, because whatever they are investing in you, whether it's time, whether it's money, whatever it may be, they want to see something come out of that. And so I think that, you know, that's always something we have to remember, even with our content, right? Because if you mm-hmm. are making content, they have to get something out of it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, even even your content should be valuable. You want right. you want to be inspired. You want to be educated. You want to at least be entertained <laughs> by that information <laughs> or all three. And that's kind of where some of that creativity comes out too, is like, I want to send this message, but I also want it to be inspiring. I want this message to be entertaining. Uh, so a lot lately, I've been talking a lot about burnout. I've been talking a lot about not being paid adequately as a clinician, as somebody with a master level education. I'm no doctor, but (laughs) I did spend almost 100K on my education. And it's it's disappointing to get maybe a quarter of that coming out of school, plus having to figure out how you're going to put a roof over your head, children, how are you going to do all of these things? You can't (laughs) with what clinicians are getting paid. And so I think all of that, like, has helped me kind of be like, okay, this is what I need to talk about. I need to talk about why people are burning out. So I think that as I practice my content, as I like practice writing out those long thought pieces, I was able to come to other conclusions and other ideas. And then I went and I tested them on social media. And again, if it was a hit, I kept going with it. So I kept presenting it and I kept talking about it. And that led to clarity. And then that clarity turned into more long form content. So I was really letting, and I do this now, I let my long form content kind of inform my social media. And then when I get confirmation on social media, I go back and I write more long form content. And then I create all of this other content out of the social media. For oh social my gosh, media. that sounds amazing because I think a lot of times we spend time writing on blogs that let's be honest, sometimes people don't even read. I think there's so mm-hmm. many blog posts on company pages that don't get a lot of traction or if they do, it, it's hit or miss in terms of what the SEO is doing at the time. So being able to take that content that you're already developing and repurpose it, reuse it. And like you said, begin to refine it. That's mm-hmm. going to definitely make the whole process a lot easier. I think that those are the the kind of tips and tricks that most people don't think about. Like they're thinking about, okay, I have to sit down. I have to come up with a post today. And what can I right. put out? And that's how we end up with either very basic posts that just say happy Monday or, <laughs> right. or and you like know, inspirational quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Which I've been guilty of too. I know, you know, we all get those those times where we're posting those that inspirational content and those quotes and things like that. But I think that there is a better way. I mean, I love the way that you've described it in terms of just making it simple, making it easy. And I think it is also like being okay. My big thing for social media was like being okay with talking to myself, being okay with people not responding back because social media rewards you specifically Instagram. Instagram will reward you for being on the website. 
So when I've noticed when I spend a long time not on there and I come back and I'm like, oh, I haven't posted a while. Let me post something. You can get a lot of engagement. <laughs> like right. I can go a week without posting a reel. And my first reel back, I know that reel is going to get at least a thousand to 3000 views. Mm-hmm. If I post daily, some of them are going to get 26 views. Some of them <laughs> might get a hundred. And I was like, I, I like, I would see that and just get so discouraged because I'm like, nobody likes my stuff. That's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's just Instagram's algorithm is trying to figure out what's going on. It's trying to figure out what you're doing, but the more that you spend time on it, the more that your stuff gets shared. Right. Um, that's one. But the other part about it is that the more that I spent time on Instagram, like the more that I started to understand what people were looking for there. A lot of clinicians don't like spending time on Instagram. Uh, That's actually one of the number one things when I'm uh, working with people like in coaching, one of the things that they say is that I don't want to spend that time on Instagram. Like I have a busy life. I have a child. Mm -hmm. I have a husband. I'm starting a practice. I don't have the time to be on social media. And so I understand that completely But my solution for that is, okay, write the long content, spend the hour writing the long form of content, because from that you can get 10 pieces of content. So then your hour is not wasted in social media. Your hour was put into something that you own, because at the end of the day, if you have your own website, you own that blog and you can do whatever you want with it. So you have a thought piece that people can come, they can get an idea about what you have going on and you can go back and you can break that down and you can make, those could be your quotes. So it could be just something really significant that you said. Now that you've put that on social media and so you Mm -hmm. fed the beast a little bit and you also kind of laced your pocket as well. Right. And I just did an episode on this, just talking about changing and shifting our mindset around social media and its purpose. Because let's be honest, Instagram, LinkedIn, all these different platforms, they're there to make money for their business, for their goals and for their mission. And so what we're really doing is utilizing their platform and navigating it for our own purpose for free. And I like to remind people that, (laughs) you know, it's, I think sometimes we see it as a burden, but really it's a wonderful opportunity to get free marketing that back a number of years ago, actually not even that many years ago, let's just go back 10 years. You were paying for that for the most part, whether you had a marketing team or you had to have a big marketing budget or advertising budget, you had to pay for that attention. And now you can pretty much connect with people online across the world for free. And that's a big thing, especially in consulting. I mean, you can go across the globe when it comes to really securing contracts. Exactly. The, so the crazy thing is I own a, I own a travel agency mm-hmm. and my mentor, we were actually having this conversation this morning. She is from the UK. Uh-huh. So she was mentoring me. It was on Zoom, but we have talks every day, daily through WhatsApp. WhatsApp yeah. is a social media platform. People use it for their business, but it it's owned by Facebook or right. Meta. So <laughs> I, know. I have to get used to that too, Meta. <laughs> <laughs> so, or it's a branch of Meta, whatever. At the end of the day, we can be connected through these social media platforms and not be in them all day right. long. But we have to have strategy around it. We have to, we have to understand what it wants in order to like, in order to feed it and in order not to be taken over or consumed by it. One of the things that I say all the time 
I, I usually say this, like when I'm talking about politics, uh-huh. um, but it applies here is like, in order to play the game, you have to know what game you're playing. In order to win the game, you have to know what you have to have some kind of strategy, some kind of idea. You can't just show up to Monopoly with your two hundred (laughs) dollars and win. Like you have to be like, okay, I'm going to try and buy Boardwalk and Park Place, or I'm going to try and get this corner over here because if somebody lands and you usually roll the dice and you end up over here, I'm going to get paid every time. It's the same thing. So you have to have some kind of idea going in about how you're going to spend less time on the on the platform while still engaging, while still right. giving it what it needs and what it wants in order to reward you for your for your payment. <laughs> exactly. Keep it simple. You know, that's the one thing yeah. I'm always telling people, keep it simple. Stop trying to make it so complicated because like you're saying, if you're if you're already creating this content that is high quality content, it's what you're doing anyway. Most people already have a blog or something that they're writing for their business to put that information and knowledge out there. You're already doing that. So just take that use it, refine it. So you're already getting feedback and answers that you normally wouldn't get just by posting it on your website or on the blog. And it's going to make that even greater once you, you know, get ready to use it. If you're going to do a talk or if you're, you're doing all these other things. So I agree with you. Social media isn't a waste of time. There's so many benefits that come from it. And yeah, you can go down this, into this black hole and get lost. (laughs) Oh yeah. You can be scrolling for hours. You know, and that's another rule that I have with social media Uh too is that I try to give as much as I consume. You want to, like, if you're going to be on there and you're going to be scrolling scrolling through reels for hours, like save some of those reels so you can go back and make your own. Don't mm-hmm. just consume them. Go back and let that be a place where you can go back and give so mm-hmm. that you're not wasting all of your time there because you will you will go down the bunny hole and you will come out and you'll be like oh my goodness it's five o'clock and I did not do anything today (laughs) exactly sometimes I have to just set a timer and I'm like just because sometimes you don't intend to go down that rabbit hole and it just happens (laughs) because some things are just so funny for me I like I like things that are funny so (laughs) when they're really funny I just kind of keep looking so it definitely can do that And I wanted to find out from you, because since I have you here, what tools and other, whether it's equipment or just things that you feel like are very helpful or things that you use that make content creation a lot easier or allow you to navigate it a a lot faster and get things done? So I would say the best thing for content creation is organization together. I love Notion. I would, I started by putting off like a bunch of ideas in Notion, but mm-hmm. the way that my mind works, like I was just like listing it and listing it and listing it. And yeah. then what happened to me was that I would lose all of my ideas because mm-hmm. they were, there was no organization to it. It was just like whatever was coming up. So it'd be like real stories, carousel posts, post post, And like, there was just no organization for it. Late last year, I got really tired of that. I was modding a group and somebody was like, oh, like I just put all of these things in Trello. And I was like, what? So when I looked, she was like, all of her answers, all of her responses were there in Trello and they were organized. And I like, this was the first time that I had seen anything like this uh, before, even though I was using things like Notion. So you, it's the same kind of setup. It's the same kind of boards and right. those kinds of things. But this was like the first time that it made sense in my mind. So like mm-hmm. another thing that I had to see over and over again in order for it to be like, oh, 
So then not too long after that, I had saw somebody talking about a content bank mm-hmm. and then I went back and I started YouTubing and I was like, how do you make a content bank? And okay. everybody was like, Trillo. And so then I was like, oh, so I played. Wait, my- wait, I don't mean to cut you off. Go back. I want to know more about this content bank. What is it? Because I don't know. <laughs> so you got to fill oh. me in. Oh, sure. So a content bank is really like, so I, the way that I think about it is like, it is, it's like going to the bank, right? And so you uh-huh. go to the bank, you go to the bank for money, but <laughs> in your content bank, you go to the bank for for content. Okay. And so it is a way for me, it's a way that I organize all of my ideas. Mm-hmm. And the way that I do it, so I've created my own content banks for my users. So if you are a follower, go to my link and you will find you will find a sign up for the content bank. It's a really simple bank on Trello. So basically the way that I've organized it is that the first is the ways that you can set up content. So I have long form content mm-hmm. and then I have micro content. And there's also, I put in there um, your content pillars. So these are like the three to five topics that you talk about regularly that you want your audience to know about. Okay. And then from your long form content and your micro content, you can move that over. So it will show you like, let's say I had an idea the other day, I had an idea about actually talking about what's happening with burnout and finances. Okay. So I put that idea underneath my long form content bank, like my long Mm -hmm. form category. And then when I was ready to write it, I kind of took it and then I just moved it into the planning stage. And then as I wrote bits and pieces of it, I put together the body of it, then I moved it into my building stage. And then once it was complete and I had put it all together, I moved it once it was complete, put it all together and posted, I moved it into my posted phase. And then I also kind of put the picture in there and every so the whole piece is in my content bank. And then I can go back and I can put whatever needs to be put in storage and then move on. Okay. The great thing about that is that now that I have this piece of long form content, I can go back in and then I can break it down into micro content. And this wow. took me, once I got the swing of it, it took me an hour to make six pieces of content once. There was a post that I did recently back in December and it was the blog itself was what drives burnout. So uh-huh. five things five things that stunted my growth because like five things that that made burnout stunt my growth or something like that. Uh-huh. And then I took those five topics, those each topic piece of that blog and those became Instagram content. So now if you're posting one times per day, mm-hmm. that was, that was, a, that was content for a week. Right. Uh, look, I want to take it even further because if you're on a platform, let's say for instance, like LinkedIn, where you only have to post two to three times a week, and that's phenomenal, then you're talking about two weeks of content in an hour. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And it was, and, and the great thing about social media, specifically with Instagram, things are so short lived mm-hmm. that I could post that this week and three weeks from now I could post it again, probably post the same exact thing. Just change up the color scheme if you have Canva. So I change up the style. I don't even have to do anything in three weeks. I could just mm-hmm. recycle that and put it out again, especially if it was, especially if people were really feeling it. Like, yes, I've been here. One time I told a story on Instagram, true story. It didn't take me much to tell that story, but the response that I got from it gave me enough to be like, we need to talk about burnout. We need to Mm -hmm. talk about anxiety and those kinds of things. And the moment that I talk about it, 
and I keep reposting it, like I can probably repost that post again in three months and and see a similar response and a similar reaction. So after a while, if you create enough long form pieces, you're not really doing much on Instagram. You're just recycling it and you're saying the same message over and over and over again. And then once you start saying that same message over and over again, the other stuff for me, the creativity flows because I'm in a, I'm in a state of movement when I'm stagnant, everything else around me is stagnant and then I'm, I'm less creative. But once I've got the ball rolling, then everything else just kind of flows with that. I love this because this is just simplifying everything so much. I know for me, so I'm sure for definitely everyone that's listening. So you have a content bank that we need to grab hold of. And then what other tools? Like, do you use Canva? Yes. Oh my goodness, Canva is my best friend. And the cool thing is about Canva, I had not seen this before, so I think it's an update. But now in Canva, you should make sure that you name your post that you're creating in Canva because now you can search for it. I have so many pieces created that like going back a year, it's really hard for me to find things. So Uh now I'm just like, I have to like search for what, what were the key words of this? Cause I have no idea what it is. Plus uh, what I love about Canva too, is that you can duplicate and you can copy your pieces. Mm -hmm. So once you get a theme going for social media and I do it because it makes my life easier. Mm -hmm. Some people say your speed does not have to be aesthetically pleasing. But for me, I like to see it. Yes, um, and her feed is absolutely beautiful. So, <laughs> so I and I do I use my brand colors there, and but it's the same. It's the same pieces. I also use Creative Market to get my Instagram. So I'm not creating these pages by myself. I go to Creative Market. I buy it under the commercial lens, and then I got like an Instagram. I got an Instagram post packet, and I also got an Instagram reel packet. Okay. So all of my covers, all of my graphics and stuff like that, that came from Creative Market. I use Notion. I use Trello. I use what else? I actually was using Planoly to okay. schedule things. But since Instagram has gone to desktop, I don't really need to use Planoly yeah. like that. I can just schedule straight from my, and not schedule, but I can just post from my desktop and it makes things a little bit easier. You can't do that with video and you can't do that with reels, but that's okay. My secret to writing captions for reels uh-huh. is that I will put together the whole reel in Instagram. Sometimes I use InShot, but most times I use Instagram. Then I will save it to my drafts and then mm-hmm. I will come out I'll pull the notes in on my iPhone and I save all of my hashtags and everything in the notes and I'll write the caption in notes and then copy paste it back to Instagram and post it that way. It makes things so much easier (laughs) for me. I also like if you come across somebody who's giving you hook ideas Uh or just like content ideas for Instagram, I save all of that. I screenshot it. Mm-hmm. And then I put it in a special folder. So like when I am creating content and adding content to my Trello board, I do have mm-hmm. a section for reels. So what I'll do is I'll go back and I'll look at the screenshot. And as I'm coming up with something, I will, I'll write the caption and all of that and the hook and the words and all of that in my Trello. And then uh-huh. when it's time to recording, that's our, like the idea is created. And then I just really I'm just finding a video or creating a video to match that idea and then I put it all together and post it 
So now when you're like seeing posts from me on Instagram, those were not created that day. They right. have been created that week. It was created probably a month uh, mm-hmm. ago. And anything that is like trending and is like really hot, I will create those within the week if I'm like feeling it. But for the most part, I record a lot of my reels like maybe two, three weeks in advance. Oh, wow. That That is just awesome because I think that that just removes all of the excuses that we often have in terms of not showing up consistently because it's always, oh, I don't have time. It's going to take too long. I don't know what to post. And really, you have just literally gone step by step and gave us like the whole yeah. <laughs> plan, strategy, the the ins and outs of how to do that successfully. So, I mean, that is amazing. I, you know, I really just want to thank you so much for, you know, joining me on today. And before we even, you know, kind of end this conversation, the one thing that I want you to do is tell us a little bit about your particular services and your offers and then where people can find you. Sure. So like I said, I work with mental health professionals to help them diversify their income so that they can prevent and beat burnout. Some of the things that I do is that I offer coaching, but right now I am focusing on launching my membership program. It has been a year (laughs) change in creation, but it is a membership for professionals to learn different ways that they can diversify their income in in my membership program. Okay. It's going to be like videos and articles and things like that about how to do that, how to write that course, how to create these little pieces using your credit, just how to like do those things where you're not tying yourself up into one-to-one services. And then also like once you've created those things, how do you market it and how do you put it back on Instagram so you've got that authentic brand and business that people love and they want to learn more about and they want to connect with you. Black (laughs) women, like, you know, 80% of uh, Black households are held up by a Black woman. And recently I was just doing some research and I realized, I found out that at the start of the pandemic, 5.1 million women in the state Mm -hmm. stopped working Mm -hmm. and they left the workforce. Mm -hmm. And up until today, there is still 1.5 million who have left the workforce from the pandemic and have not returned. And I don't know what the statistics look like, but I can only imagine how many Black women have left the workforce and have Mm -hmm. not returned yet because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I deal with a lot of BIPOC clinicians too. Mm -hmm. It's really important to me to make sure that we are able to continue creating wealth and financial stability and financial wellness for ourselves. I have a little girl and mm-hmm. you know, I want to be able to hand her down generational wealth. And I just feel like the traditional ways have not yielded mm-hmm. a lot of success. You know, I did what my parents told me to do. They told me to go to yeah. school. They told me to keep my head in the books. They're West Indian. So it was all about, we pay for an education. We don't pay for friends. Mm-hmm. And all of that was great information. And I'm really thankful that I was able to get a master's degree because I do have skills that are helpful, um, right? but it's not translating into funds mm-hmm. the way that I need it to in the real world. And so I am all about helping people and giving that information away for free. There's so many things that I can put a price tag on, mm-hmm. but making sure that other women especially Black women, um, Mm -hmm. have the information that they need to really turn their knowledge skills into funds is just very deeply important to me. 
I mean, it definitely is just something that is a continued struggle, I think, all around. I was looking at statistics very recently that talked about how, as Black women, we're some of the most educated or the most educated of all groups, uh, at least in America. And when you look at that, and you look at the compensation for the education that you've gotten over the years, I mean, it just doesn't equate. And the one way around that is to really think about how we can build wealth on our own. I'm always pushing that, like thinking about how you can move beyond your average job. Even if you love your job and love your position, you still have to think about how you do not have to have somebody else standing in between you being able to build that wealth and and generate the money that you need to take care of your family. You have to remove the middle person that's quote unquote allowing you to do that. And so I think it's so, so important to just hear that message and to have other things that we can pull from. And that's one of the reasons why social media is so important because although we may think of it as a waste of time or something that's not really important, once again, it's a portal for us to use something that's completely free to be able to make this money to generate more wealth, more income, more revenue over time. And you can take that as far as you would like to take it, depending upon, you know, what you're able to invest into. And I think just having that message out there in the online space and those tools, I mean, it's just invaluable overall, no matter what the discipline, because although I'm not a therapist, I know that everything that you said today definitely applies to consulting directly. I I can't think of anything that would be different when you're thinking about the two. And I'm going to take it a step further for me, because I've spent so much time on social media. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about your average person, like depending on who you're consulting with, like if I'm talking about moms, I know moms are spending all their time on social media or any free time that they have. I know that's where they're going for mm-hmm. an outlet. So like, I think we have to be really mindful that like our audience is there. They're, yeah. They are there and they might be there in the middle of the night when they can't sleep. They might be there early in the morning, but they are there. Maybe they're looking for something in particular that they need to buy or help that they need to take care of something else in their life. And so they still go back to these common platforms. YouTube is another one where people oh, yeah. go and they're trying to search for answers. So those are that's kind of where you need to plug yourself <laughs> in. And I'm going to be the, the thing that I was going to say here, and this will be the last thing, but there has not been a course or something that I have bought from someone this past year Mm -hmm. that I did not find initially on Instagram. Everything that I've purchased this year, I Mm -hmm. purchased from an account that I had found on Instagram. I've Mm -hmm. gone to their webinars. I've gone to, you know, their free stuff. And I liked what they were saying and I wanted to see what it was all about. The price was right. And I bought Mm -hmm. it. It was not, I did buy from everybody that I was, they, they were somebody that I was initially following. And what really brought it home for some people is that they had a YouTube channel. So not only were they on Instagram, but that in that content was also on YouTube. And so they would lead me from Instagram to YouTube. I would see a longer version of YouTube. It was free help. I really mm-hmm. liked what they had to say. I saw success from the thing that they were giving on Instagram. And I went back mm-hmm. and I said, and it helped me to decide that this was worth it. And I went back and purchased from those people. 
Exactly. And that's so true. That's so true on so many levels. And people forget that CEOs and other high level administrators and various companies and businesses, they're also on these same platforms after hours with their kids, with their family, or just looking for whatever it may be that they enjoy in their lives. They're on those platforms and they're looking and they're, like you said, making purchases and other buying decisions. And so why not take advantage of that instead of avoiding that space and thinking that you have to only be on one particular platform, but just really thinking about how we can begin to just diversify, not just our income, but even our approach in terms of where we're placing ourselves in the world, in the online world and online space. I think it sounds really good to have a blog because we all need that. That's one way of us having our own you know, kind of home and space or where we don't have to pay rent (laughs) to someone else to kind of borrow their platform. But at the same time, that blog alone, without you using these other channels, is not going to draw in people as effectively. And so really thinking about how we can still have those things that we know to be highly valuable, but then use these other tools to bring people back to whether it's the blog or whether it's the website. It's just going to be really, really important, especially as we keep moving into 2022. I mean, the pandemic is still going on. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to probably be online, probably from here on out to some extent, because it's just a new way of life. We've been in this situation now for two years. So there's going to be some aspect of this that probably will just continue as a way of life as we move forward. Right. And in a way, the pandemic has been a blessing in disguise. Like Mm -hmm. um, that is actually 2020 was me discovering how much clinicians had no idea how to be online, like Mm -hmm. no idea. And then also like kind of like it birthed me seeing people like just be upset that there were life coaches who mm-hmm. were not <laughs> professional, like not yeah. master level clinicians and those kinds of things. And in my mind, I was like, yeah, coaches have, have had the online world for years mm-hmm. and clinicians were not prepared. And now we are coming face to face with people who are able to really utilize the online space in a way that clinicians were never taught how to do. We didn't even know it was possible mm-hmm. until 2020. And, and that's then, the thing. It's like, now they have you. That's why you, yeah. That's why they have to just come along. Yeah, and that's why I, like, I started my business because I was like, that's why I started the Delightful Clinician was really because I was like, somebody needs to teach y'all. Like we, we need to catch up and we need to do it immediately. But then like, so I started to get worried towards the end of 2020. I got worried because I was like, oh, this should be done, right? Like in mm-hmm. 2021, we're going to be done with this pandemic stuff. And now we're going into 2022. So that <laughs> just tells you that like things don't move as quickly as you do, but you have to be ready to get on the opportunity. You have to just jump in and be like, okay, I'm going to figure this Instagram thing out, even right. if I don't like it, because if I don't, I'm going to miss the opportunity and other people are doing it. They are coming in here. They are figuring it out. They're mm-hmm. waiting for um, Instagram CEO to tell them what to do next. And mm-hmm. they, are, they are ready. Exactly. You're going to miss the opportunity. There you go. And I mean, and if you sit back and you miss it, I mean, we only can blame ourselves when we do that. Wow. That's awesome. awesome. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that is amazing. And your website? Um, that is www.thedelightfulclinician.com, T-H-E, delightfulclinician.com. 
I've created like an Instagram audit where that will help you kind of optimize your Instagram, like from creating your bio down to what you're writing and what you're putting on there, how you're reaching your people. And that is actually a service that I am going to be combining with like a coaching. So Uh what I really am going to be doing with the audit is actually auditing your Instagram myself and then coming in and giving you suggestions about how you can kind of really tighten it up and make it the way that you want it to be and and connecting with audiences. And then lastly, I did create a content bank. It's free. Uh, The simple one is free. And then there's an advanced one where that is the breakdown. So Mm -hmm. breakdown of how to write a blog as far as like headings and tags and things like that. There's also a breakdown of of like a podcast. So like having your hook and having meat and potatoes and those kinds of things. And then there's also a dashboard that gives you way more information. And that is actually currently on sale for $19. So I'm really excited about it. Like I said, the content bank really changed things for me because I spent less time like putting ideas all over the place and more time just like really organizing the way that my content is made. And it it really has changed the way that I felt about my business. And it's kind of really like jumpstart the abundance of ideas for me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I have just loved this whole conversation. I have so many notes. <laughs> First of all, I'm getting that content bank. Let's start there. And then I just, uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm definitely going to download that. <laughs> so definitely I am so, so, so thankful for you joining on today. And I hope oh, to talk and find me on oh. Instagram, the delightful condition oh. on Instagram. Yes. Yes. I can't yes. forget Instagram. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Everyone has to go find her on Instagram. Go find the Delightful Clinician on Instagram because (laughs) your your content is just simply amazing. And so I really, really (laughs) want everybody to go and see that as an example of how you can use your creativity and still show up professionally in this space so you can attract the clients that you want to to serve. But I really, really appreciate it. You are welcome. I am glad to be here. And, you know, I really hope that this is helpful and you don't have to be a clinician. That's that's just obviously who I market to, but I love helping everybody. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for tuning in to the Black Girls Consult 2 podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to leave your review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe and share it with a friend. We're on a mission to increase the success and longevity of women in consulting, and you can help us do that. Also, I'd love to hear from you, so let's connect at Dr. Angelina Davis on Instagram or LinkedIn. And don't forget to visit excelatconsulting.com for more information to support your consulting journey. Until next time, take care.